I want to invite you to open your Bibles to um, Daniel chapter 6, continuing our study of Daniel. And, and um, I want to say that we're hitting a watershed here uh, following today. If you've been tracking with us on that big chart we gave out at the very beginning of our study, um, we have made our way down the left side of the parallel structure here. We've gotten all the way to the bottom. We have hit the, the, the fundamental point that Daniel wanted us to understand. Let me summarize it here, and we'll go back in depth in a few moments and look at it. First of all, the fundamental thing he wanted to understand us to understand is that God is sovereign. Amen? And he humbles the proud, and he raises up the humble. The last two weeks, we've seen how he humbled the most powerful kings in all the known world at that time. One responded, Nebuchadnezzar responded to God's action in his life. The other one did not and suffered the consequences. Now what's happening, this amazing literary uh, art really is that we're working our way back now. Um, Daniel is intentionally paralleling the different experiences, right? Do you remember when the, the three friends of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, stood for what they knew to be true, right? They suffered greatly, and they were, they were thrown into the furnace. Now, Daniel, who was back in Babylon at that time, not on the plains of Dura, now Daniel himself is facing just such a trial. Can we pick up that story together? Again, if you would like, um, just text us our, your name. Say, I'd like a copy of the study guide each week, and you can prepare for our worship um, by reading ahead. But Daniel, well, let me stop for a second and say, um, as we saw last week, uh, Babylon has been crushed. The single greatest force in the known world at that time has been crushed by the combination of, of the Medes and the Persians, right? They got together and in this uh, strange alliance overcame Babylon the very night, I think it was October 11th in AD, uh, excuse me, 539 BC, 2,500 years ago. Uh, Belshazzar was killed. Um, the, the city of Babylon fell. And Darius the Mede, the last, the last verse uh, of Daniel ch- uh, chapter 5, Darius the Mede was installed as the new king in Babylon. Well, Darius uh, immediately set about governing this amazing kingdom that has been handed to him. And the way that he did it was to set up 120, the biblical word is satraps, but, but we would just think of them probably as governors, right? And so he divided the kingdom of Babylon now. There's an empire of Medo-Persia that is larger than Babylon, but he divided the kingdom of Babylon into 120 sections, each governed by a satrap. But that's still 120 people reporting to Darius is too much. And so he uh, placed three administrators over those 120 satraps. It reminds me a lot of uh, Jethro, Moses' father, saying, Moses, you're just not handling this well. And he, uh, he encouraged Moses to divide up the people into hundreds and thousands and even tens and to put leaders over each of those. Um, Darius now has put three administrators over the, um, over the 120 satraps. Now, why did he choose Daniel? Do you remember at the end of Daniel 5 what Belshazzar did? 
he clothed uh, Daniel in purple, right? He put this gold chain around his neck. He elevated him to third in the kingdom of Babylon, right? And Darius is no fool. Darius says, here here is a a person that understands the kingdom already. I'm going to place him in administration over uh, these 120 satraps. And here's this just really cool thing. Remember that Daniel is um, Daniel is uh, basically a slave to the Medo-Persian Empire now, but he faithfully administrates his duties. And immediately Darius recognizes that. And so Darius plans to elevate Daniel even to uh, the head over all the administrators, over all the satraps, um, God continually lifts up Daniel in the eyes of even his enemies. I just can't emphasize that enough. We're going to come back as a major point later. But but um, Daniel was faithful in the midst of that, and God honored that. Here's the problem. The other two administrators and the 120 satraps did not. Now, you can imagine that most of those satraps were probably... Medo-Persians, right? They were probably people that that came with Darius. And here is this this slave, this Jew, this, this, this person that's not from their kingdom. And he's being elevated over them. And you know the story. They they, um, tried to find some way to bring this guy down. Again, there's a principle in there, right? We'll, we'll, we'll anchor ourselves in it. But, but when you honor God, people will try and tear you down, right? And, and uh, they try to find something in his nature or his character. They checked his Facebook, right? They checked everything about it. There's got to be something somewhere in this man's life that we can use against him. And there was nothing. There was nothing. I'm not saying that he's some kind of mythical um you know, um, non-sinner. There was only one person who lived the life and did not sin. But Daniel honored God, and God honored Daniel as a result. So in a stroke of genius, honestly, they they determined if we are going to bring this man down, it's going to have to be having to do something with his faith, right? With his faith. Now, they couldn't really change his faith, right? So they changed the laws regarding faith. You could, you could just see Darius getting sucked into this, right? They come and they lie to him. They say, all of us, Daniel wasn't there. They, they lie and say, all of us have agreed that no one should pray to anyone but you, Darius. Look what's happening. They're, eleva- they're elevating Darius to the level of God and and saying for 30 days no one should pray to any God but you and 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 Darius just gets sucked into it and he signs it into law and the Medo-Persians had a very specific thing it's kind of almost it's almost like a um uh, how some people approach a pope that the pope cannot when he's speaking on behalf of God he cannot err right and so the king cannot err. Once he signs something into law, it is law. It is written. It is so. And they, and they trick him into signing a law that 
automatically makes a criminal out of Daniel. Does that sound familiar? Uh, um, It has happened in our culture, and it will happen again in our culture. That laws will be passed that automatically make faithful followers of God into criminals, right? So, uh, So the law is passed. What does Daniel do? Daniel goes to his upper room. And, and he opens the windows. Now, it sounds like he's, he's displaying his, um, his faith, but he's not. He's just doing what he always did. He always faced Jerusalem because he's claiming a promise from 1 Kings that, that uh, Solomon prayed and God granted that whoever prays toward Jerusalem, no matter where they are, God will hear their cry, right? Whoever prays toward the sanctuary in Jerusalem. And and so he's just doing what he always did. Three times a day. There was no biblical mandate for this. David did it. Daniel did it. But there was no biblical command to do it. But three times a day, morning, noon, and night, then he would just stop what he was doing and pray to God. And and in this interesting choice of words in Daniel chapter 6, we, we learn that together they were watching, right? And, and, and they say, now we got him. They go back to Darius and said, um, <clears throat> Darius, didn't you say that if someone prays to anybody other than you for 30 days, then, then they should be killed, right? And, and Darius says, yeah, yeah. And he says, they say, your man, your man, Daniel, has broken the law. And Darius was thunderstruck. Again, a testimony of the life of Daniel, that this king was thunderstruck that inadvertently or maliciously on the part of the satraps, he had been tricked into um, making Daniel a criminal. Now, Daniel was going to have to suffer, and, and, he, and he had to suffer by that night, right? So Darius tries everything in his power. But he has restricted himself. He has limited himself. He placed on himself laws that, that were not there before, right? And, and very much like, like we see in several other places in, in Scripture, I'm thinking of when when um, Herodias danced right before, and and now John the Baptist was going to be put to death, and it's not what was intended. And he never intended that when they started that sequence, but but the natural consequences of her choices came back, and so at the end of the day, Darius had to. I'm not sure of the structure of this. It's reminiscent of the furnace, but there's some kind of environment where the, the lions dwelled, some pit, some place where the lions dwelled, and, and, and Daniel was thrown into that. Uh, a stone was rolled over the hole that he was thrown through, and it was sealed with Darius' seal. It could not be opened throughout the night, right? And, and it's so interesting that all night long, Darius fasted. Uh, all night long, he, he was in travail, because someone he respected, someone he was going to make the, the second in his kingdom, um, he had just put to death, right? The morning comes and he runs to, to, the, um, to the lion's den and they, they break the seal. They, they move the stone away and he cries out, Daniel, was your God able to deliver you? And Daniel says those, those phrases, may the king live forever. My God has delivered me. They pull him out. He's not got a scratch on him, right? 
And, and you're thinking they drugged the lions, right? They did something. Uh, and and uh, Darius just rejoices. He just rejoices and, and says these words. Let me just read the very last part. This is, this is the gospel. Remember the gospel according to Nebuchadnezzar? This is the gospel according to another secular king. The gospel according to Darius. God of Daniel is the living God. Enduring forever. His king, this is the king speaking, the most powerful king in the known world. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, right? His dominion shall never end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lion. Darius recognized that God had delivered Daniel. Again, you're thinking, well, what about the lions? All those people who had accused him, right? And their families, there's a hard one for us, um, were chucked into the lion's den. And before their bodies hit the ground, uh, the Bible is very specific right here. Daniel says their bones were crushed, right? Their bones were crushed. Um, I, I, we won't have time today, but I just invite you to go back to Psalm 34 that we opened our service with. Because it's like describing this situation. And it prophesies, right, 500 years before it happened, it prophesies that the bones will not be crushed. 500 years later, that prophecy came a true again when Jesus was on the cross. And they were ready to break his knees, his legs. And, and, and Psalm 34 said his bones will not be crushed, right? Uh, the, the people who accused Daniel got what they wanted to have happen to Daniel. And Daniel was elevated again. Oh my goodness. Just an amazing story. By the way, we're going to, this, this is interesting now because uh, we're going to leave the kind of historical part of Daniel, the first six chapters of Daniel, where we have established that that Daniel is able to interpret dreams, right? And we're going to go back now, and Daniel, next week, Daniel's going to have his own vision. He's going to have a sequence of visions and dreams that not only affect um, history uh, up until the time of Christ, but affect your history and my history as well. And so I really want to invite you. It's going to be really complex I'm going to try and make it as simple as I can in the coming weeks. But but now, having been established by every secular authority and every spiritual authority in heaven and on earth, now God is going to ask you to believe his word from Daniel about your future. Got you hooked? <laughs> um, 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 wow. Wow. A great invitation. But you'll see... a. a a completely different tenor now from on, from now on, because now we're not looking at history. Daniel's credentials have been established. Now we're looking at what God revealed to him about our future as well as his. But before we go there next week, and as we prepare to come to the Lord's table today, is what what can we learn from this amazing story of of Daniel and the lion's den? Are there are there truths that can that we can take and apply to our lives. You see, in a, in a very real sense, we are Daniel. We live in a culture that is opposed to the things of God. 
And we can choose like 120 satraps to just kind of fold and do what everyone around us tells us we should do. Or, like we read in Ephesians, we can, we can take a stand four times in that powerful passage in Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul says, stand, stand against the pressures of the evil ones. Stand against the culture around you. Stand for what God says is true. So, so are there some truths in Daniel 6 that will help us to stand strong? Oh, there's, there's a ton of them. Let me, let me just try and isolate four for us today, right? And, and then my brief invitation, really stronger than that, my challenge to you is to put them into practice now so that when the day of evil comes, we'll be able to stand, right? Daniel was able to resist the pressure around him because he had been doing, he'd been praying three times a day, every day of his life, right? Let's put into practice now the principles that are going to help us when we go to college, when we when we go back to our workplace, when... when um, the political powers around us turn opposed to the things of God. Well, what are those? One's from our past studies and three are from today's passage. I just wanted to remind you as we begin, when you humble yourself before God, he will raise you up. The last four or five weeks have been all focusing on this. We saw people who did not humble themselves. We saw people who did. When you humble yourselves before God, he will raise you up. And then we just add the parenthetical statement in due time, in his timing. We've seen over and over again, he doesn't do it on our timing. He does it on his timing for our good and for his glory. James 4.10. Again, James 4, 6 through 10 is just such a complimentary passage for our study of Daniel. That's why we've gone back to it over and over again. Humble yourself before the Lord. James says, and he will exalt you. So the first truth here is, is, remember last week, get low. Get low and get close, right? Get low, even before the people around you, and get close to God. Humble yourself. But the second one uh, today I want to note is this. When God raises you up, remember, humble yourself before the Lord and he will raise you up. When God raises you up, don't expect that everyone's going to love that, right? Expect people to tear you down, right? The satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel because of his relationship with God, right? Because God was elevating him. And they foolishly thought that if somehow they could get the king to turn against him, even if for a moment that 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 a God would be powerless. And it's always in those moments when we expect that that our God is going to be powerless, that he proves himself glorious instead. So when God raises you up, expect opposition. Jesus never said that you trust in me and everything will go fine, right? He reminded us over and over again that it is either a, a, a literal death that we will have before us or certainly a spiritual and emotional one. 
Uh, that's why the gift of God in, in the word of God is that if we will choose to die to ourselves, then people have nothing that they can threaten us with, right? What can they do to us? I was in a men's group last week, and we were, we were um, talking about that very thing and how challenging it is. A lot of us are at the point in our, in our faith where, where we can offer our bodies as living sacrifices. If God asks us, we would do that. But Jennifer, um, what if God asked for Randy, right? Isn't that a different thing? Oh, no, it's not? Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm teasing. It's a different question, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. I was, I was I'm remembering them. I'm dating myself. I apologize. But Keith Green uh, wrote a song, I Pledge My Heart to Heaven for the Gospel. You, you go. You go. Uh, Keith, and it just ministered to me. But the second verse, I pledge my wife to heaven for the gospel. Wait a second. It's different, isn't it? And the third verse, I pledge my children. Less than two years after he wrote that song, five of his children died in a plane crash with him. That's a different equation. We have got to practice now. The, the principles and the truths to when the day of evil comes, we'll be ready, right? Now I say that, and my wife loves the Lord. I'm going to spend eternity with her, right? Sorry, honey, for that bad news. <laughs> Wait, that means you got to spend eternity. My children know the Lord. You know, um, that's that's good news. But we've got to practice now. We got to pray for our spouses. We got to pray for our children. We got to we got to pray that that God would prepare us now for the challenges that are to come, and they will come. When God raises you up, people will tear you down. So where do we find strength to stand when when the culture wars against us physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Where do we find the strength? Which right here in Daniel, right? We find the strength to stand from praying. Kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. I love the visual aspect of that, right? It doesn't make sense, does it? You gotta stand and be strong. No, you gotta kneel. You gotta get low and pray. And that will give you the strength to stand. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed. He gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. I want so bad to to make this act of Daniel an act of civil obedience, right? I want to I want to see Daniel saying, "Yeah, I'm going to shove it to Darius," right? No. I mean, it it was civil disobedience just because they had legislated against it now, but this is what Daniel always did. It wasn't an act of civil disobedience. It it was instead the way that Daniel maintained his relationship with God. It was where he found strength to stand. We have said over and over again that we live before an audience of one. There's one person whose whose opinion matters. And Daniel 
got down on his knees before that person and sought his face. When you humble yourself before God, he will raise you up in due time. When God raises you up, expect that people will tear you down. Remember that kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. If I can draw one more principle from from this amazing passage in Daniel chapter 6, is this. When you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. I just, I, I marvel. What was it that enabled Daniel to, to, um, to courageously allow himself to be thrown? It doesn't say he's not fighting, he's not running, he's not hiding. He just allows them to throw. What is it that enabled him to do that, right? He knew that God was on his side. God of angel armies, right? The God who said to Elijah, yeah, there's armies surrounding you, but the armies of heaven are before, there. And, and Elijah said to his servant, open your eyes. God, op- God open his eyes so he can see your provision. Daniel could see with the eyes of faith that his God would never leave him or forsake him. Can I press pause for a second? Because sometimes it's God's will that his servants would die, right? All the time. <laughs> Right here, you can't see her, but in the front row is one of our advocates for Voices of the Martyrs. And, 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 and she brings to us stories from all over the world of people who, who were in Daniel's situation and were not delivered. John the Baptist himself was not delivered. His head was given to Herod on a platter, right? Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that, that this is some little trick that, that will save your life. I'm saying, freely give your life to the Lord and trust him with the results. He is worthy of your trust. And and he will do what will bring him the most glory and what will bring others, including you, the most good. You kind of heard a plaintive cry in my voice earlier today because a friend of mine it was just on this amazing journey um, of faith. Um, his wife is on a ventilator in Henderson. Or actually, she got transferred to Evansville on a ventilator in, um, in Evansville. And, and it's not clear what the future holds, right? The only thing that is clear is who holds the future. And it's in him, Henry, that you must put your trust. Amen, brother? It's in him, beloved. That we must put our trust. So I want to invite you. God is worthy. He is worthy of your faith and trust. How do I know that? Oh, by the way, um, you can't really see this in there. You see the three lions in our picture? That's actually a piece of art that um, was was uh, painted in, in the early 1600s. So uh, the guy's name was Peter Paul Reuben, and he painted a picture, uh, and this is only a small portion of it. The reason I didn't put the whole picture in there is because Daniel in his picture is, um, thank you, Daniel in his picture is um, a lily white, for starters. Uh, that's not a political statement. That's that he wasn't a Middle Easterner. And then secondly, uh, he was about 30 years old rather than 84 years old. Now, my parents are 87 
years old. You can bring those back up. Thank you, David. Um, um, my parents are 87. Can you imagine chucking my 87-year-old parents into? Uh, not going to happen if I have anything to do with it, right? Um, you see why Darius was so upset. The wisest, the most gifted, the man filled with the Spirit was being sacrificed on the jealousies of all of these other people. But in Reuben's, in Reuben's painting, there is a skull, um, which Reuben intended to mean Golgotha. In Reuben's painting, there is a, a red robe. Remember, Jesus was wrapped in a robe of purple, the Bible translates. There is this, this beautiful robe next to Daniel. Reuben understood something, that, that years, centuries after Daniel would come one like Daniel, but so much greater, who would offer his life as an atonement for all of our sins so that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, you might be made new. You might be made whole. That's why we come to the table of the Lord today. Because every time we do, no matter what's happened, even in between the last time, Every time we do, spiritual, uh, the presence of Jesus is, is taken into ourselves. Grace becomes available to us to face the challenges that are before us. Oh, this last year has taught us that we have no idea what tomorrow holds. Amen. Uh, it could change on a dime. We make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. What you need is not to know what tomorrow holds. What you need to know is the living God through his son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for you. I invite you at home to take your, um, to your bread and your cup. Those of you here in the sanctuary, I invite you to make them available. Uh, Jesus, who, who experienced to the full what, what Daniel uh, was kind of a type of, what he revealed to us, in Daniel chapter 6, on the very night that Jesus was to be thrown into the lion's den, not to be rescued, right? On the very night that he was to be betrayed and given over to the Romans to be crucified, he took bread. And they were sharing together uh, in obedience uh, something that they had done every year, the Passover meal. And on, on that very night, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Would you just hold that up before me, please? God, thank you so much for this, the body of Jesus Christ. Would you take this simple wafer, would you take the simple bread in our homes and make it, God, the sacrament of holy communion? Would you set it apart so that as we partake of it by faith, God, your grace might fill us, your grace might grow in us, so that no matter what circumstances we face in the days ahead, we have this confidence that you will be with us. Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. In the same way, after he took the cup, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. God, take the simple juice. In it, we recognize, God, you, a very visual reminder of the blood of Jesus Christ, which represented his life, poured out for us. God, we receive that life today. We take that life symbolically into our bodies through this juice But spiritually, God, we receive the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ. We receive forgiveness of sin in Jesus' name. Do this, he said, in remembrance of me. Well, um, in our homes, in your living room, in uh, the sanctuary, there are a plethora of Daniels. There are people who risked believing that God's word was true. Who risked just now believing that through the blood of Jesus they are forgiven. Who risked believing that Jesus' sacrifice was enough for us. Now my charge to you is to go out and live the life of Christ so visibly in the world. Yes, it will raise up opposition. But just as it raises up opposition, so like every person in China and Indonesia sacrificed for their faith in Jesus Christ, others, myriad others might arise and say, yes, I too have the courage to stand for the gospel. Pray with me, would you? Thank you so much. For the sacrament of Lord's Supper. Thank you for Jesus. Who like Daniel. Faced incredible opposition. Who like Daniel. Cried out to you. Who, who wondered. God do you hear my cry. But who in faith was able to say. Nevertheless not my will. But yours be done. God thank you. There's no enemy that we face that you cannot overcome. Thank you that you are our sword and our shield. Thank you, God, that you hear us when we cry.